I found that time in silence was really, really hard. Have you ever tried to take time in silence and realized your mind doesn't know how to shut off? Like you try to focus on one thing that's important and everything else comes to mind? And maybe it's not everything else. Maybe it's the same thing keeps coming back to mind, but you don't want to think about that thing. The thing that keeps coming back to your mind, maybe it really hurts or it's really negative or it reminds you of just how broken and sinful you are as a person. See, the truth about silence and solitude is our world bombards us with noise all the time. And this noise is neither good nor bad. But in most cases, it numbs us to hearing God himself. And in most cases, the constant noise makes it that more of our conversation with God is one-sided and not two-sided. We talk at God and rarely have time to stop and say, God, what do you want to say back? Hi, this is Chris from The Point a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. It is good to be here with you this morning. It was nice last week to hear from the other Adam. I do that often, don't I? It was nice to hear from the other Adam last week to be able to sit with my wife and join in listening and uh, maybe I'll fix that. We'll see. Either way, it's good to be here today. Uh, Before I begin, I want to start with a special hello to my kids at home. Uh, They were bummed to not be here today, but my youngest has a really bad cough, so we thought we'd keep them at home today. So I hope you guys are uh, paying attention and treating your mom nice, all right? For everybody else on live stream, we're glad you're here. I don't know if you're awake and participating or asleep, but Casey, if you're joining us online, congratulations. For those of you who don't know, Casey Bohannon had her baby this week, so yeah, super exciting. And Alan's here with an energy drink, like every dad should be. Uh, Welcome. Well, last week I had the opportunity to talk to some people and, and several people said to me, we really liked the series about who we are as a point, but what was the point? Like, could you just summarize it briefly for us? So before we get into today's practice of silence and solitude, I just want to summarize who we are as a church and who we're going to be going forward. It's really simple. From the day we started, our mission as a church has been this right here. We exist in everything we do to connect the disconnected to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus Christ. What does this mean? This means that our why for everything we do is are we helping people connect with Jesus? If this is going to help us connect with uh, people to Jesus, let's do it. If it uh, distracts from that, if it takes away from that, if it's not connecting people to Jesus, we don't want any part of it. 
So everything we do, our why we exist, is to connect people to Jesus. But how do we go about that? Well, there's two parts to the how. The how looks like this. First, we're going to continue to increase our culture that says come as you are and it's okay to not be okay. If you have questions, bring your doubts and your concerns and your questions and let God handle that. So we're gonna continue to increase that and seek to strengthen that culture and say no matter what your mess is, no matter what your mess has been, no matter where you're at right now, God loves you and so do we. And second, how are we going to connect the disconnected? Well, we believe this happens through community. And so we talked a little bit in that series about connect groups, connecting people with other people, people who live near you, who are maybe even in your own neighborhood, people who can walk beside you in this journey with Jesus and say, we're here to help, encourage, and support, and love you. And so how we go about connecting the disconnected is not only creating a culture here that says all are welcome no matter where you're from or where you're at. It also says God loves you too much to keep you where you are. He has so much more for you. And so we want to gather together outside of Sunday morning during the week, uh, often, maybe more than once a week, as you grow to love these people you're connecting with. We hope that these people you connect with in connect groups can become like an extended family to you. People you call when your day is rough. People you turn to to celebrate exciting moments. People you can turn to to say, I have a need. Will you join me in prayer? Can I pray for you? People you simply love outside of this time together. So the why is to connect the disconnected. The how is through our culture of welcoming all people in all places of life and connecting them to groups of people who will love them in every season. And then finally, the what. What are these groups going to be doing? How do you grow and reproduce in your relationship with Jesus? What do you do? We talked about practicing the way of Jesus. Practicing a lifestyle that is not about trying harder or doing more, but picking up new habits that replace old habits. Habits that shape and form us into people who are like Jesus. And these habits, these practices that we're going to be doing together center around three things. Being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. And so that's where we are today in this series, Silence and Solitude. Last week, uh, Vicar Adam introduced this idea of why we need silence and solitude on a regular basis. This is the first practice we're going to emphasize as a church. Over the next several years, you're going to have lots more practices that we're going to be introducing and encouraging. If you want to grow in faith, try this with us. Practice it and see what happens. And so this first one, silence and solitude, Adam gave a fantastic definition of what this is. Silence and solitude is intentional and consistent time alone with God in silence. It's intentional. See, to practice a habit that shapes you into being with Jesus and becoming like him, it doesn't happen by accident. In fact, what Adam said I just loved The things that matter most to you end up on your calendar or in your budget. The things that matter most to you will be prioritized. And you might not realize they matter most to you until you stop to reflect. So for us, 
silence and solitude has to be intentional. If you set out to just say, this week I'll see what happens, you know what will happen? Everything else. In fact, it's like working out. How many of you set out this week, I'm going to work out when I feel like it? Anybody? I do. Do you know how often I feel like it? That's about right. See, if you want to work out and you want to change your physical body, you have to create a habit where you do things you don't necessarily want to do on purpose because you know they're going to stretch you and strengthen you to become somebody new. It's the same way with silence and solitude. It has to be intentional. I'm going to do this even when it's uncomfortable, when it's awkward, even when I don't like it, when I'm tired, when I'm grumpy. I'm going to make this a habit. And it's not just intentional, but it's consistent. You're doing it more than once in a while, more than occasionally, but regularly. This becomes a part of who you are. And this intentional and consistent time is in silence, alone. Anybody in here an extrovert? Okay, only a few of us. So most of you must love this. Like, finally permission to not go anywhere or do anything. I can tell everybody my pastor said no, see you later. That's not what I'm saying. That's kind of what I'm saying. As an extrovert, I love being around people. It doesn't matter if I didn't sleep for three days. If I'm around people, I'm like, let's go! And the moment people leave and I'm alone by myself, I crash. And I crash hard every time. I love being around people. And yet even as an extrovert, I need solitude. And I need solitude really for one big reason. Because Jesus needed solitude. Jesus regularly retreated to be by himself. In fact, time and time again, people came to him and they're like, hey, you've been healing the sick and casting out demons. We need you, Jesus. And he's like, cool, that's not why I'm here. I'll see you later. And he just walked away. Like, could you imagine if you guys came to me and you're like, look, I've got a really big need. I'm like, all right, see you later. And I just turned and walked the other way. That's what Jesus did. He regularly took time away from the busy, away from the things to do, away from all the really important good stuff to just be with his father. It's in that being that we become transformed. It's in that being with him that everything else kind of fades away. We can see and hear and know what's most important and the things that actually aren't important at all. We can focus and prioritize. In fact, throughout the Gospel of Luke, nine different times, Jesus very clearly leaves to be by himself before a major event or moment in his ministry. In the beginning, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, sends him out into the wilderness to be by himself before he's then tempted later. He goes into a quiet, desolate place by himself And then he comes out and says, you 12, come and follow me. And he picks his disciples. We need time away. And I had that time away this last week. This last week, I left immediately after church on Sunday, and I went out to the mountains for my annual hike that I do every year. And every year, we pick up where we left off, a group of about 12 or 13 of us, and we hike on the Appalachian Trail. And if you've never had the opportunity, let me tell you, it sucks. And it's awesome. 
And, and we set out to hike. And uh, so Sunday, we get there about three o'clock. We start our hike. We had seven and a half miles on Sunday. My legs were like jello. It was rough. And I kid you not, less than three minutes into the hike, I got stung by a bee multiple times. Like, what, a, what a start to the trip. I was out there on this trail, and as you guys can tell, I'm in exquisite shape. I really love working out. And so I often lagged behind everybody else, especially on the uphills. And what I found remarkable is I could be hiking with a group of guys, and I could just stop for two minutes to say, I just need to catch my breath, and they would go two minutes past me, and it'd take me two hours to catch up to them on that trail. And I'd have two hours by myself in the woods with nobody and no cell service and nothing to do and no one to talk to. And the only option is just one foot in front of the next, no matter how winded or sore or cramped I was. I don't know why I do this to myself every year. Actually, I do. I found that time in silence was really, really hard. Have you ever tried to take time in silence and realized your mind doesn't know how to shut off? Like you try to focus on one thing that's important and everything else comes to mind? And maybe it's not everything else. Maybe it's the same thing keeps coming back to mind, but you don't want to think about that thing. The thing that keeps coming back to your mind, maybe it really hurts or it's really negative or it reminds you of just how broken and sinful you are as a person. See, the truth about silence and solitude is our world bombards us with noise all the time. And this noise is neither good nor bad, but in most cases, it numbs us to hearing God himself. And in most cases, the constant noise makes it that more of our conversation with God is one-sided and not two-sided. We talk at God and rarely have time to stop and say, God, what do you want to say back? So we lay out our list of demands and then we walk away. Here I am, God. Now fix it all. All right, that's it. And I found on the trail this last week, it was really, really challenging because in all those times where I had silence and solitude, I wanted to focus on the things I thought would be helpful. But often I kept coming back to these things that were hurtful. Why? I believe wholeheartedly that every one of us is disconnected from God. Every one of us is separated from his love and his faithfulness in some way. And that's not a question of how much faith you have or how good you are or do you actually love Jesus or not. No, none of that is part of the equation. Because of the noise of this world, we're disconnected from his constant reminder, you are loved and I'll be enough. And that disconnection makes it really hard when we actually stop to be with him, to actually be with him. See, I think for most of us, part of why we actually prefer the busy and prefer the noise and seek the escapist behaviors like hours of Netflix and football and things that don't actually change our world or our lives, but we consume them over and over and over again. 
I think the reason we do that more often than not is because we don't want to face the ugly truth of the things we're feeling. Do you ever feel something that you wish you didn't? And so your solution is I'll just hide that and suppress that and run from that and eventually it'll go away? I'll tell you most of the time it doesn't. Feelings are a really fickle thing. We can't be led by our emotions, but we should also be aware of them. At times, our emotions can be a really, really helpful tool to know what God is doing. Consider this. If you were to walk through a really bad part of, let's say, the Bronx, you're in New York and you're walking through the Bronx. Maybe you're going to go to a show. There's a, an artist playing a band you can't wait to hear. You go to the show and you know it's in a bad part of town, but you're going to be with your friends. It'll be okay. And you go to the show and it's light out. And then you leave the show and, and you're like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And you go to the bathroom and at this point it's dark. And when you come out of the bathroom, your friends have all left. Where do I turn? Where do I go? Somebody says, oh, I think those people, I think they just went on that direction. They said, just meet you at the subway station just down the street. So, okay, I can do that. And you start walking down the street and you realize I'm going to miss the train if I don't hurry. I bet if I cut through this alleyway, it's dark. I can't see much, but I bet if I cut through here, I'll be able to save some time and get there on time. And imagine if you started walking down that dark alleyway Five or six guys in hoods all popped out from behind trash cans. And you couldn't see their faces, and they all started walking to you. Not just from in front of you, but from every direction. And they started getting closer and closer, and maybe you noticed they had something in their hand. How would you feel in that moment? I would hope you're afraid, or at least a little bit nervous. What's happening here? Am I in a good spot? I hope your feelings would alert you to something in my surrounding is not good. But now imagine you're safe and sound at home. You're sleeping in your comfortable bed. The, the temperature's perfect. Everything's nice. And you fall asleep. And there in your sleep, you have a dream. And in that dream, the same exact situation happens. And you wake up from that dream and your heart is racing and you're sweating and your mind is panicked. Which of those feelings matters most? See, the feelings in the dream can be just as real, but your reality around you is very different. But your feelings in that situation in the alleyway you should pay a lot of attention to that. And the problem is, we often try to fill our lives with noise because we're afraid of those feelings. Maybe they're feelings of people that have hurt you, and it cuts really deep. Maybe they're feelings of loneliness and sorrow. Why am I still single? What's wrong with me? Maybe they're feelings of loneliness, why does my spouse not seem to care about me? Feelings of inadequacy, I just don't measure up at my job. Nobody really seems to appreciate me. Feelings that hurt and are heavy and are hard. Anxiety and depression, all kinds of burdens that well up. Often we just want to run from those feelings and sometimes we have to recognize these feelings do not reflect my reality. 
But other times, those feelings are there to point us to what God is doing and what God is saying. And when we sit in silence, we create space to feel. The good and the bad. Today in scripture, we're gonna look at Jesus and his feelings in a time of silence. One of those times where Jesus retreated by himself to be alone with God and the things he was feeling hurt. And I hope you find some peace in this scripture. Luke chapter 22. If you'd like to follow along in the Bibles that we have for you, it's page 1101. If you brought your own Bible or you're using a phone, I don't know what page it's on on your phone, okay? Luke chapter 22. This is after Jesus has celebrated the Passover with his disciples, after he's told them, I'm going to go and die, after Judas has left to betray him, right before he gets arrested. This is what happens. And he, being Jesus, he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. First and foremost, Jesus went out to this lonely place, this place away from everybody else, as was his custom. Silence and solitude is a practice Jesus did regularly. We should too. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Jesus, he invites his disciples along in this journey. He's not going about this practice by himself. He's doing it in community. He says, will you guys pray with me that you don't fall into temptation? The temptation to dismiss the moment and the severity of what was happening. The temptation to believe they would never be the ones to walk away. The temptation to dismiss what God was about to do for them. He says, will you join me in this process? But even then, he retreats a little further about a stone's throw. I've often wondered, who's throwing the stone? And how big is that stone? And he, he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see, this was Jesus' situation. He knew the plan that God had for him in his life. That what was coming right after this would be terrible. Suffering like you and I can't imagine. Being beaten and scorned, being the mockery of the crowd, hanging on a cross, being crucified like a criminal. He knew the plans God had for him would hurt have you ever been in a season of your life where the things God seems to be asking you to do are not what you want to do? The relationships he's telling you to break off? The things that you love, maybe your job or your city or whatever it is, he's asking you to go and do something else? I don't want to, God. Jesus was in this place where his will and his father's will were different. God, I don't want this to happen. But if you do, so be it. If this is what you want, I'll gladly do it. But I want to know for sure, is this really 
your plan or is this mine? He prays, if you're willing, remove this from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. I love this. Jesus is alone by himself. His disciples, as we read in other stories, they've all fallen asleep, totally abandoned him. He's completely alone and he prays, God, I really don't want this, but I want whatever you want, so I'm willing. And after praying, an angel shows up and strengthens him. I love that idea that in the midst of his silence and his pain, and his hurt, God is still faithful. And God comes to strengthen him for what's ahead. When we retreat in silence and solitude, when we make a habit of being alone with God in our times of need, I promise you, he will strengthen you. That strength may look different for each one of us. Certainly, the strength for Jesus is not what I hope happens to you or me. See, the angel strengthens him, and this is what happens immediately after being strengthened by an angel. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. There's a medical condition for this. It's actually possible for you and I, though it's very rare and doesn't normally happen. When you're under immense amounts of stress, it's possible that all of that stress can cause some of the capillaries near your skin to burst, making it appear that you're sweating blood as you begin to bleed out of various pores. When it happens to you and me, it happens in small portion, usually very small parts of our body. But for Jesus, being in great agony, he sweats blood, his whole body. Think about that for a moment. He cries out to God, God, please take this from me. And an angel shows up. Imagine in your time of pain, an angel showing up and strengthening you. I would think that what would come next would be great and wonderful and peaceful. But for Jesus, he's in agony. That agony and that pain doesn't go away because God is present. But instead, you have the strength to withstand whatever happens next. For Jesus, what happened next was the pain so severe, the stress so severe that he sweat blood. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. I just love that. He found them sleeping for sorrow. I've often thought they fell asleep because it was late at night and they'd had too much to drink. I've often thought they fell asleep because they just weren't that interested and didn't see the severity of the hour. But he found them sleeping for sorrow. Maybe they were just so distraught over the things they didn't quite understand that that pain and that sorrow put them to sleep. They just had no more energy to keep going. We need a nap. We can't keep doing this. Because we've seen previously where the disciples are casting out demons and healing the sick. And it says they were so busy they had no time to even stop and eat. 
Maybe they were just entirely worn out from the work that God had given to them. They were sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. A very same invitation he gave earlier. Rise and pray. Pray that you might not be tempted. And what happens immediately after this? It says, while he was still speaking, immediately after this, Jesus is arrested. He's betrayed. He's tried. He's beaten. He's killed. When you and I take time in silence and solitude, God's plan before us might not be the thing we want. It might not be easy. It might not be pain-free. But the promise for you and me is that he will strengthen us, that he will see us through whatever happens next, that he will be enough in every time of need and every struggle, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So as we set out to practice silence and solitude together, as we set out to learn how do we take time away, and you begin to experience these moments where maybe it's hard to focus because the thing you're focusing on is not what you want to be thinking about, I want to invite you in this practice to lean into that. God, this really hurts. Will you comfort me? This is really difficult. Will you strengthen me? This is my honest self. Will you still love me? I promise when you lean into him in those times of hurt and awkward, uncomfortable pain, he absolutely will always be enough. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you strengthened your son that even in agony as he sweat blood, he willingly went to suffer and die that we might live. We thank you that you invite us to draw near to you, to come and be yours, to be with you in all of our hurts and our pains, the things we've tried to escape, the challenges we don't want to face, the burdens we've been carrying, you invite us to come and bear them before you. Teach us to embrace silence where we're not afraid of what may come. We're not uncomfortable with the space in between where we rest in your promises that you are faithful and you will always be enough. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our worship today, we're going to continue by collecting an offering. And we, here in this place, we give or collect an offering, not because simply the church needs your money, though it's nice to have lights and electricity and other things like that. We collect an offering in this place because we believe God invites us to partner with him in the work that he's doing. 
Everything we own, whether it's a lot of stuff or little stuff, everything comes from him. And he invites us to say, God, because it comes from you, let it be used for you. And so by giving back to the things he's doing, we get to say, I want to see the stuff you've given to me be used to help other people be connected to you. And so if you came prepared today to give and you're wanting to partner with what God is doing, you can give with cash or check in the popcorn buckets in the back. If you filled out one of those physical connect cards, you can drop that in the bucket. I'd love to connect with you later this week. And if there's a way we can be praying for you in your time of need, let us know and we will be praying for you each and every day. And if you came prepared to give and you'd rather give electronically, you can do so at thepointknocks.com by clicking the little button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. This is the part of the service where I get to respond to your questions as best as I can. Yeah. And if you have any really doozies that stump me or I think need a little more time to think about, I'll respond later with what we call point leftovers, a video later in the week. We do have a couple big ones. Um, I'll start with this one. When I try to practice silence, I end up praying, which I believe is a different discipline. Can you help me understand better how to practice silence? Yes. Come back for the next four weeks. Uh, <laughs> no, quite honestly, prayer is a part of the practice of silence. Um, it's not the only part. And so one of the weeks we're going to talk about how do you use prayer in your silence and in your silent time to connect with God. Another week we're going to look at how you look at scripture and how scripture can guide your time of silence with God. Um, we're going to look at one week how you listen for the voice of God. Most of us don't hear it audibly, but we can still hear him speaking. Um, so prayer can be a part of the silence. What I want to encourage you with right now this week is if you find that you jump straight into the long list of things you need to ask for, maybe focus your prayer instead of the things you need to ask for on just an awareness of God's presence and pray uh, to be present in the moment with him right then and there and see what comes out of that. Love that. Um, next question. How can we sing about God's goodness, wonderfulness, and faithfulness when there is so much bad in this life? A good, good father would not have let all these bad things happen and keep happening in my life. I have three kids, and uh, one of my worst nightmares is something terrible happening to them. Uh, the idea of my kids going through pain and suffering uh, hurts even just knowing it could happen. But the thing is, I can't control or fix that. Now, I'm human, I'm broken, I'm not all-powerful and all-knowing. But the fact that I can't control or fix that doesn't change how much I'm willing to be there for my kids in that time of suffering. And the difference with God is God can fix that. And God has fixed that. But for now, we live in this place of the now and the not yet. When we sing about his goodness, it's his goodness that he has sent his son. And he has rescued all of us from evil. We have been delivered from all of this pain and the suffering. Though for now, for a little while, we still see it and walk through it. So how can there be a really good, good father even though there's suffering? Suffering was never his will and it's never his plan. The only suffering that was his will was the suffering of his son to rescue and redeem all of us. 
from this evil and broken world. So if you're someone here today or you're watching online and you've been really, really hurt by others, by the evil around us, you don't need to go through this alone. We love you, we care about you, and we will walk with you to help you find his comfort even in this time of pain, I promise. The last question is super short and simple. Is there a way that creationism and evolution can be reconciled? <laughs> Jokes. Woo. Um, yes and no. Um, the short answer is there's a difference between creationism believing in a creator and fundamentalism believing in exactly literal what happens in scripture with no wiggle room for things that aren't recorded. There's a difference between that. And evolution, there's a difference for me. Uh, some will disagree with this and okay. Um, I believe there's a difference between uh, microevolution and macroevolution. Those in the theory of evolution will say, no, we just can't witness macro because it takes so long. But I, I really do believe there's a difference. You and I will never be like dolphins, even though we share like 98% of our uh, DNA. Did you know that? And, and monkeys, we share even more of our DNA and we won't ever be monkeys. We won't become them. Um, and so is there a place for recognizing that science has recognized and discovered things that maybe are or are not in the Bible? Yeah, absolutely. The Bible is not a science book. Uh, it's a story of God revealing himself to his creation. Now, when we attempt to lean into science and evolution in a way that says, here's how we explain away the Bible, it gets dangerous. And it gets dangerous because we should not come to the Bible with our own preconceived expectations of how to fix the Bible and how to change it and how to correctly read it. We, we need to come to it as God's story to us. So what? So is there a, a place where there may be some truth in evolution? Yeah. One of the biggest challenges with evolutionary theory and uh, Christianity, however, is evolution believes that death is a good thing, that death actually creates the opportunity for the stronger to survive, and death creates opportunity for, for the weaker to kind of be weaned out so that the whole population gets better. But that's fundamentally opposite of Christianity. We believe death is not a good thing. Death is a consequence of a bad thing. And so is there a place where maybe those can be blended together? Certainly. But I would really caution you um, against seeking to fix the Bible with evolution and against seeking to explain creation through the lens of evolution. Um, maybe we can just live in a mystery and say, I don't quite get it. And maybe one day science will have more things explained or maybe not. In fact, even within evolution, we have to remember as it's being taught in our culture as a fact, as a law of evolution, it is still a theory of evolution. We have a law of gravity that says gravity is, that's a fact. But a theory is something that we just, it's our best guess. And if you take God out of the equation, evolution makes sense. But with the creator, it doesn't really make sense. So there's a place for it, but... I just invite you to be cautious and say, uh, we don't have to abandon science in the name of faith and we shouldn't try to fix faith through the lens of science. So just to clarify, that was the short answer. Yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. That great, was longer great, than great. I planned on, but yeah. <laughs>
I love Genesis. I love creation. I could talk for months up here about that. I won't because you guys want to go get barbecue. <laughs> However, if you ever want to just sit down and have coffee or a beer and talk about it, I'm not going to talk about it like judging you because you hold a different view. I love it. I think it's a ton of fun. So if you're ever interested, I will gladly give you uh, more conversation and discussion <laughs> about that. Those were all the questions this week. Excellent. Uh, I have one more question. Yeah. For the ladies that paid for the uh, women's retreat and maybe are not able to go when we reschedule it, what do they do? Um, two things. If you want to, come talk to me right after this. I'll just hang up out here, hang out up here, um, and we can totally refund you. Um, what I would suggest and encourage is see, wait, give us like a week or so to, to nail down these dates. Um, and then we can decide if, here's what I'll say. We're not going to keep your money if you don't want us to keep your money. But we can hold your spot and you can just keep your registration for the next date if you'd like. So whichever you choose, I keep, I have like these magical days. Like last week I was like, it'll all be figured out by Sunday. And then I was like, it's all going to be figured out by Wednesday. And then I was like, it'll definitely be figured out by Sunday. <laughs> and now I'm like, it's for sure going to be figured out by Wednesday. Okay. So just, we're like, we're just going to figure it out and then I'll send you an email. Um, but if you do, if it's like, if, I mean, if it's a issue, just come, we'll give you your money back immediately and you can re-sign up. I'll be here for like, I don't know, five minutes. So run at the end of service. Fix all your problems in five minutes. <laughs> Yeah, if you want, we'll just roll it over to the next one, and if you can't make that, we'll refund it. Totally. Yes. For sure. And the brunch is for all women. I was going to say, didn't register, we right? are taking new registrations, but not yet, because we don't know what it is yet. But brunch is free and for everyone who is a girl. So not me. No boys allowed. All right. Well, receive this blessing, boys and girls alike. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.